This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 8.49 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana and Philip. Now, the U.S. banking sector was roiled last week by the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in California, a major in- financial institution for the tech startup community. While relatively unknown outside of Silicon Valley, SVB was among the top 20 American commercial banks with $209 billion U.S. dollars in total assets at the end of last year. U.S. regulators seized SVB on Friday and put the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp or the FIDCS receiver. Then on Sunday, New York's signature became the second bank to be shuttered by state regulators. This is the third largest bank run since Washington Mutual in 2008. So, could we see a contagion effect across the US banking sector? And how might it affect other parts of the global economy? To better understand what's happening, we speak to Christopher Whalen, investment banker and chairman at Whalen Global Advisors. Chris, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. I want to start with SVB. It's the first U.S. bank collapse in about a decade. What precipitated this bank run? I mean, could you say this was an anticipated scenario, especially given the fast pace of tightening by the Fed over the past year? Well, it was the fast pace of tightening that caused the problem. But it was a bit of a mistake by the bank. They had invested a lot of their assets in mortgage-backed securities that were created in 2020-21. And these securities have very low coupons to 2.5-3%. So when the Fed moved interest rates five points, these securities lost a lot of value. They trade in the high 70s today. And that's why the bank tried to raise capital. They failed. And then the the rumor and the fear on the part of customers, especially business customers, uh, caused the bank to fail. If you take enough deposits out, the bank fails. So it was a business decision, isn't it, to basically not hitch yourself and manage that risk well then? I think so. But I also think that the, the industry has been lulled to sleep over the past decade by the Fed. We have had quantitative easing during this period, especially during 2020-21, when the Fed decided to go big and just provide massive liquidity. But the downside of this is that they have manipulated the term structure of interest rates in such a way that we now have 75% of the bond market and the mortgage market concentrated in a a band of about three, three and a half percentage points. So the Fed's ability to manage interest rates is also constrained now. They can't raise rates anymore. In fact, I think if they leave rates where they are, it will be very painful for banks. Uh, they're going to take steps to enhance liquidity. But the bottom line is, is that the Fed's interest rate changes over the past 18 months have embedded lots of losses on the books of banks. And over time, these unrealized losses will become real especially when these securities are underwater and they are losing money on them when deposit rates go higher. So, you know, that's the situation. Think about it. The, the, the short-term rate today so far is 5%. So if you're getting 2.5% on a Ginny May security, which is zero risk, by the way, and AAA rated, you know, it's a dead loss. Chris, what is, um, I want to talk about the impact of SVB's collapse. What's the level of exposure um, that tech firms in the Valley and across the globe have to SVB? Who is most impacted by this? Well, all sorts of people. You know, I think mostly the smaller firms and mid-sized firms 
that had uninsured deposits, you know, payroll, things like that in the bank, just decided to move them. Uh, the short sellers, by the way, were very active, spreading rumors about the bank and using social media to attack the bank. And this is a concern. You know, social media now enhances and amplifies the message of short sellers. We've seen this before with the MAME stocks. Um, but, you know, in this case, it's a federally insured bank, and the FDIC does not take kindly to people making false statements about banks. So we may see some repercussions for some of the hedge funds that were involved. And, and Chris, I think the interesting thing for me is I wonder if SVB's uh, management decisions are also driven by the nature of its clients, right? Comparative to other major banks, its major clientele is the tech firms, isn't it? So their cash flow requirements are very, very different from other larger MNCs. So they then respond accordingly to the nature of their clients then? Well, you know, the funny thing was the bank wasn't that lent out. It, was, it had less than 50% loans to assets. And it had received a lot of liquidity during COVID. Mm. So they invested this liquidity in what they thought were risk-free securities. These are government securities. Um, but unfortunately, mortgages have variable duration. They extend their maturities when interest rates rise, and obviously the price falls. So that's the danger. This is the same thing that happened with Paul Volcker when he destroyed the SNL industry in the 80s. The same thing that uh, destroyed long-term capital management and Kidder Peabody and many other firms. When they take their eye off the ball, to your colleague's point about risk management, right, and they don't understand that these securities are very dangerous in terms of their ability to change in price. You know, we're pricing mortgage backs off the 15-year curve now. Two years ago, these were trading like three-year securities. So that's a lot of risk. And the Fed is somewhat responsible. I don't think they were sensitive to how uh, a rapid increase in interest rates would impact banks. So, so you know, today the industry has a, a negative capital position of over a trillion dollars if you did a fire sale tomorrow. So, Chris, I think what everyone's looking now is how big the spillover effect is going to be. We already see Signature mm. Bank also shuttered um, on Sunday. I mean, what are the short and long-term effects on the broader banking industry? Are we going to see more bank failures in the days to come? We could in terms of the outliers who have a lot of exposure, as we were just discussing. I don't think there's a contagion effect from these two banks. And now that the government has essentially guaranteed the deposits, They've taken that concern off the table. Um, the worry is that tomorrow morning, we're probably going to see the parent company, Silicon Valley Bank, file bankruptcy. Uh, the equity will take a total loss, as they will the signature. And the bondholders will likely also be significantly impaired. When you see bank holding companies, if you go back to Lehman Brothers and Washington Mutual, uh, filing bankruptcy, that's bad. You know, We want to avoid that. So... My hope is that regulators are going to figure out a way of dealing with this liquidity problem. But it's also an accounting problem because the banks have to report the unrealized losses they have on their book. So it's, you know, the Fed is constrained. That's the bottom line. I don't think we're going to see any more interest rate hikes in the U.S. Not in the near term. Yeah, I mean, Chris, that's the question you were mentioning just now. Many are trying to draw parallels whether this is the Lehman Brothers of our decade. Can you help us contrast how different or similar this, you know, collapse is versus what happened with Lehman Brothers? 
Well, Lehman was a disaster of epic proportions. It was a big broker dealer with a lot of private mortgages that nobody wanted, and they had no idea what they owned. They couldn't even make reps and warranties about their assets. This is also a surprise. So it's similar to Lehman in that sense. Nobody was expecting this. Think about the fact that nobody asked Chairman Powell about banks last week. Not a single question. And he did not bring up the issue of banks, right? was not top of mind, but it's top of mind now. So that surprise is always a concern. But I think, honestly, the, the U.S. industry is in reasonably good shape. It's just that the Fed is causing the instability. And my fear is that they're going to have to back off on fighting inflation and just admit that they made a huge mistake and that there is going to be embedded inflation in the U.S., which I think we all know anyway, right? The question is, what is the rate? Because politically, when it gets up above 1%, 2%, it becomes a political issue, as it already has. It's already affecting American politics. And, and Chris, also, just want to get your thoughts. A lot of concerns over the digital asset market, in particular crypto. How likely will mm-hmm. cryptos be affected by SVB? Not by SVB, but they will certainly be affected by Signature Bank. Signature was tainted because of their association with crypto. That's why that bank failed. It's very different from Silicon Valley Bank. And it's a shame because this bank had a wonderful market position in New York, $200 billion institution, and now they're gone. Um, And I think a large part of the reason that depositors were fleeing Signature Bank, which is why the bank closed, obviously, is that they were worried about crypto. U.S. regulators are sending a very negative message to all federally insured depositories and also broker-dealers. They do not want them involved in crypto. That's over. Uh, I sit on a committee at FINRA, and i got to tell you, the tenor of the conversation about crypto assets has changed dramatically in the last uh, 90 days, and I think it's, it's going to only increase. So I would imagine most U.S. banks will have nothing to do with cryptocurrencies. And uh, as you watch the unwind at, at Silvergate, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if there is some prosecution there for anti-money laundering and KYC and that sort of thing. All right. Christopher, thank you very much for speaking with us. That was Christopher Whalen, investment banker and chairman at Whalen Global Advisors, helping us break down what's going on with the collapse of SVB and what that means for the larger banking sector, as well as how the Fed is going to react at the FOMC next week. 8.59 in the morning, we're heading into the 9 a.m. news bulletin. And then after that, we have the opening bell. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.